0: Aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. I faced it all, and I stood tall, and did it my
1: way. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the grateful owner of KWM Radio, and I'm sitting with my co-host, my attorney, my friend, who should probably be your attorney in my subjective opinion, because I have probably more respect for him than I have for any businessman I've ever met in my almost 34 years of doing radio and being in business ever since I graduated from school. And his name is a local attorney here in Dallas, Texas, and that is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine sitting with you, learning every program, and this one I'm sure will be no different in the sense that it's going to, once again, for free, like radio is, educate us on certain things regarding, on this program, Medicaid and divorce, and you wanted to address those issues today. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to be
2: talking particularly about long-term care Medicaid, and um, most people don't have long-term care insurance. Mm-hmm. And if you try to apply for governmental assistance, because Medicare in very limited situations covers long-term care and it's for a limited period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so and just to let you know, cause to clarify, if you have a three-day hospitalization, say you may get 20 days full, it's great. The average nursing home is well over $7,000 a month in the state of Texas, and there's a lot of facilities that are over ten, eleven thousand dollars 11000 a month. And so, you know, my grandmother lived in a facility for 13 years. At that time, it was only like $5,000 a month. So if you do the math, five thousand, uh, it's $780,000 that went out of pocket to pay for care costs. Mm. So do you happen to have that in your pocket? And if you did, do you want to be wiped out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh, a lot of people say, Oh my goodness. And if you're married, I need to live off that money for the rest of my life. If I use all that money for my spouse, then how am I going to live? If I'm going to live an impoverished life for the rest of my life. And so a lot of people get scared mm-hmm. and they say, Oh, And this is a very, 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 very common question. Do I need to get divorced so the government will help pay for care costs because Medicaid will help pay for care? I see. Well, um, and I must say that this question is not – made me think about was at our uh, August workshop. This was one of the questions that was asked. And uh, just like on last week's show, we talked about, um, you know, I, the question was, what if you don't have a medical power of attorney, can somebody make medical decisions? And so uh, so sometimes uh, I decide to address some of the questions uh, on this show. And by the way, uh, if you missed last week's show or any show, if there's all sorts of different topics, uh, we have podcasts uh, that you could listen to. It, I know on our website, DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, you could listen on Spotify or iTunes or... Whatever Uh, there's a few different sources there, but in any event, um, the uh, the question became a very important one. Do I need to get divorced to get eligible for Medicaid? And actually, the person who asked me the question uh, used to be a head of a nursing home, and so this was a question that because sometimes people did that. Quite frankly, I don't know if I've ever had that situation because I because we often can. Do things without the necessity of divorce. In fact, and why would you do it, too? Also, I mean, I know that there's a lot of cost of care, but, you know, there's a lot of different detriments when you get divorced. Uh, it may affect your Social Security. It may affect uh, your beneficiary designations and things like that, uh, which we'll talk about perhaps in a future show. But the, the bottom line is, do you have to to get the government to help pay for care? And I'm only talking about long-term care Medicaid here because um, there are a couple other programs this would be applicable to, but there are 109 Medicaid programs in Texas, each with their own rules. This and, is not including the federal laws about like Supplemental Security Income, which you also get Medicaid. I don't think we're going to have time to go over all hundred nine programs today, but so we'll just talk about long term care Medicaid okay. to make it a little bit simpler. Okay, <laughs> and the reason why that too is because this is more the most common thing that you see because people are living longer, because we even though. Uh, I know that the uh, rates of uh, – l- because of COVID, things have gone down a little bit the last uh, a couple years. But for the most part, as we see COVID subside, I think other than the opioids or the uh, things like that, mm-hmm. that uh, we'll see that life expectancy go back up again, mm-hmm. uh, unless things like – uh, monkeypox or whatever right. creates death or there's some other pandemic which we have no idea about the future. And that's another reason, however, why people should plan. It should bring awareness uh, to for planning when you see all these different things that are going on. You never know. That's right. And so we can't, you know, the biggest thing, people always think about what's today and they don't think about the future. Mm-hmm. And so really don't plan for what the situation is the best case scenario, mm-hmm. you should really plan for the worst case scenario. You know,
1: I sent you that article a few uh, days or weeks ago when Hetchy died, the actress. Do you think she ever thought she was going yeah. to die like she did? Of course, it was an awful tragic where she burned and, and the like and then passed away. She never planned on that. Now, my understanding is she didn't have a will.
2: Yeah, yeah, what a mess. Yeah, and I mean, then they're having trouble. Then who's going to be in charge of everything? And this is always the thing. Just like on Aretha Franklin, and the, that's which is still going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, Prince, and mm-hmm. uh, the the list goes on of famous people who either didn't care right. about their loved ones, right. or they just didn't think people don't want to think about death. No. Um, so anyway. It is what it is, but also we have not only death, but disability. Mm-hmm. And 30% of Americans become disabled at some point in their lifetime. If you think about, uh, let's say, if somebody was at a recent Cowboys game, and there was 100,000 people there, that 30,000 may be disabled at some point in their oh life.
1: Gosh. When you think
2: about that, that's that's an awful lot of people.
1: It really is. We were talking before the show, too, about my stepson, Bruce, and his his best friend, basically, who plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Or he Florida. did. Or he did. <laughs> and here he was. He bought a home in Tampa, and this is his second year. And, and sure enough, he got traded yeah. the other day. What? And he never expected that. And therefore, they have to uproot and move to this new city. And what a mess, because I don't know. Yeah, it is kind of a mess. and didn't expect this. And that's another example of you never know. So you have to prepare for
2: the long term, not just the short term. So, yeah. So as people live longer, they're more likely to need care. People Mm in their 80s or 70s, it could be at any age. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people get early Alzheimer's at 60. Mm -hmm. But generally... I mean, as we age, if you try to get disability insurance, the older you are, the more expensive. Mm-hmm. Just like if you try to get life insurance, the older you are, the more expensive generally, because the more likelihood of either either disability or death, as the case may be. Uh, so uh, so since most people fail to plan and have inadequate either income or resources, then they look to the government to help pay for long-term care costs. So having said that, should somebody have to get divorced so that the ill spouse would have limited resources? Well, Congress, this is nothing even new. Um, Back in the late 80s, Congress said, we do not think people should try to get divorced. We think as a matter of public policy that we would force them to try to get divorced to get eligible for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. So they allowed certain laws, spousal prevention from impoverishment laws, so to discourage divorce. So let me kind of give you an example. And even if some of these things, if um, situation doesn't call for it this way, uh, we could talk about how people plan even if things uh, – weren't within the law okay, okay so or it would always be within the law but um, all okay, right so they have this actual financial test there's a calculation I don't know how detailed I should get on that but they look at what's called the non-countable resource income what does that mean in English usually your Social Security or pension uh, sometimes it may be a distribution from a requir- uh, an, from an IRA uh, could be if you have an annuity that's annuitized or if somebody's working. but generally Social Security and pension because most people are older uh, when you apply for long-term care Medicaid. Now the what's called the maximum countable resource limit in 2022. Now there are certain things that do not count. So these are assets that uh, that are countable and I'll go over that in just a second, uh, cannot exceed $137,400. However, as we're about to explain, a lot of times you could keep hundreds of thousands of dollars and still be eligible for Medicaid, notwithstanding that maximum limit. Okay. Well, first of all, before I even get into that, there are certain things that just don't count to begin with, So, which would not be included in that one hundred thirty-seven thousand or $100. Let's talk about the largest thing, your home. Your home. A home, if you're married, there's no limit to the value. Good. Now, most people don't have, mm-hmm. uh, if they're applying for Medicaid, a very expensive home. Even if you're single, the limit is 636000 In year 2022, it goes up a little bit each year. And I suppose with inflation the way it is, you might probably add 10%. So, you know, it may be closer to $700,000 in 2023. We'll see what the numbers are when they announce it later this year. But if you're married, there's no limit. So you could have a million-dollar home and technically, uh, although that sounds strange, and be eligible for Medicaid. Of course, we know a lot of the prices of homes in the Dallas area uh, have increased dramatically. Mm-hmm. All those Californians out there who came here and are jacking ch- up the prices. So, Thank you. So, <laughs> mm-hmm, sort of. <laughs> yeah. i just, you know, it's. I mean, it's really true. A lot of people from California, the homes are more expensive, right. and so they think of this uh, as our area as being cheap. And yes. so, remember earlier in the summer before. Uh, things started to go down, uh, now people are negotiating again. Mm-hmm. Before, people were paying over fair market value, pay mm-hmm. cash just for the to buy a property. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like until about July or somewhere around there. And then, of course, the inflation, etc., etc., et cetera. And cash prices were real high. Everything was real high. Yep. Uh, things were kind of settling down. Uh, but still, the idea is that Uh, Prices are a lot higher now than they were before. Um, And so the good news is they look at the equity value, and the home doesn't count no matter what the value is if you're married. Now, of course, if if you're married and the home was worth more than that 636 and the well spouse died first, then there could be an issue because then you would have too much resources for Medicaid for the ill spouse, which is one reason why uh, there's some different planning you could do uh, to if that were the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I should go into that now or not, but certain, the, just just think of it this way. Uh, the home doesn't count as an asset. Also, another thing what's often the biggest resource that most people have is a retirement account. Now, at the present time, and this is subject to change and probably will change at some point in the future, so whatever I tell you today could change tomorrow, If you have an IRA and you're making required minimum distributions, you know if you turned 70 and a half before January 1st, 2020, uh, you had to make required minimum distributions, and are already receiving required minimum distributions. If you did not uh, turn uh, otherwise after that, if you it would be the year that you become 72 then you would have to start making required MIM distributions. I believe we talked about a show about this uh, a few weeks ago about uh, and how the law is likely to change to it'll be eventually 73, 74, 75, mm-hmm. depending on your age of birth. Well, anyway, uh, you notice I didn't mention Roths because there's no required MIM distributions or somebody that's under 72. Okay. To get that to not count, if it's an IRA, you buy an annuity within the retirement account. then doesn't count. So the largest assets, uh, and by the way, if it's a 401K, 403B, 457, uh, what we often talk about is trying to convert it to an IRA, to roll it over into an IRA because the present law uh, allows only for IRAs that are making required minimum distributions to not count. But they would look at the income in the month of receipt. Well, anyway, getting back to um, some other things that do not count, by the way, though, are a vehicle, one vehicle, no, regardless of value, um, pre-need funeral stone marker, open and close agree, you know, so that only the, the cemetery plot, but the whole service mm-hmm. for you, a spouse, and actually one generation up, down, and sideways mm-hmm. as far as burial spaces, personal property items, sometimes a business essential for self-support, uh, and also uh, mental rights that are under $6,000 that's mm-hmm. rent. You know, so there's a little bit of a list, uh, and so what some people do is they – without even expanding the amount of assets you could keep, some people change the nature of the resources. So just think of it like bankruptcy law. If you have cash, if I have a CD, well, you got money you could pay for the cost of care. But let's say I had a mortgage on that home, uh, and the home doesn't count. Well, if I pay down the mortgage, well, now i put it into the home. The home doesn't count. I've reduced the assets, and I've gotten eligible for Medicaid. So some people could just change the nature of their assets from being countable to being non-countable for governmental assistance. Now, let's say, though, I was getting to the expansion, which means that more than the $137,400 limit. Okay. Um, I know this is getting kind of technical, but... Just think of it this way: If you're, if you're, the lower the amount of income that you have, that's non-countable resource income, the social security or pension, typically, the more you could keep. In other words, the government is saying, you need more money to make up the limit to what you could get at today's interest rates. Got it. So if I had the right now in 2022. The what they call the minimum monthly maintenance needs allowance, which is presently $3,435 a month of income. If I had $1,000 less than that, how much do I need to generate at today's interest rates at wherever you bank? doesn't mean you have to buy a CD. How much interest do I need to have? Uh, how much money do I need to have in the bank to generate $1,000 a month? Well, today's interest rates aren't too great. Right. So you could have hundreds of thousands of dollars without uh, with, having eligibility, even though the maximum is $137,400. Uh, it could be that you had, you know, I don't want to give the wrong message and saying, oh, gee, millionaires on Medicaid, uh, but it's just the law that we don't want to encourage divorce. And when the law was passed, Back in the late 80s, 1988, I think that's what – and that's why Medicaid is no longer – you know, you usually think of Medicaid for the poor, Mm -hmm. or at least a lot of people do, but that kind of got blown out of the water when they changed this law. Right. And, of course, at the time in the 80s, when that law was passed, what were interest rates in the 80s versus what they are today? Well, they were significantly higher. So – The example I usually use is if uh, somebody, uh, let's say interest rates were at 6% in 1988, and you could protect, let's say, $100,000 of of countable resources. If today's interest rate at your bank for a one-year CD was uh, 1%, that means you could protect $600,000 because the the what based on that interest rate. So because the interest rates have gone down, the more you could keep. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we always joke and say, well, let's find a bank that has the worst interest rates. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you keep more assets. Right. So because of that, if in first of all One option is to buy things that do not or change the nature of assets from things that count to things that do not count. And sometimes there's even exceptions to the rules. Um, I had somebody in my office uh, just uh, this week, and there was I didn't realize, but I asked the question the child was on Social Security disability. I say, child. She's probably 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the child was on Social Security Disability. And one of the exceptions to the rules on transfers. So Medicaid has a five-year look-back period. In other words, they have an anti-fraud provision that if you make a gift, we think you reduced your assets because Medicaid is means-tested. They look at your assets. Uh, that if you gave away assets, we think you did it on purpose to get eligible for Medicaid. But there are certain mm-hmm. exceptions, and transfers to a disabled child is an exception to the rules. So parent could have... If they had too much income and too much resources it's possible that they could make a transfer to the disabled child now be careful on that because it should be somebody on social security disability because that's not means tested if you get, or if you give it to um, you know there could be if, if you give it to somebody that's on supplemental security income or some Medicaid program that would ruin their Medicaid eligibility. Mm-hmm. And you can't even do, just by the way, uh, a lot of people say, oh, we'll do a special needs trust and transfer the assets to reduce your assets. Uh, no, that doesn't even work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, That would be if you're applying for Medicaid for yourself uh, and you're under 65, you could create a certain type of trust that doesn't count for Medicaid, but there's a payback provision. I'm sorry if I'm getting kind no, of technical
1: here. Don't apologize, but I do have to stop you because we're going to run out of time, and there's so many details, so many layers to all of this which it just makes me think as you're talking, as I'm watching, you you never read a thing. It all comes right from your head and your heart, not always in that order. And um, it's amazing because it makes me think of a chess match when you mentioned, well, many times you'll just place the annuity within the Roth of the IRA in order to dot, dot, dot and this is just a game but this is what everyone has to do whether you're an attorney, a financial planner, a doctor uh, whatever that is, a government uh, official you've got to play the game, the chess match and my recommendation to the listener is that you're better off with two people against one, the government when it comes to these chess matches and Michael should be by your side to guide and protect you so you don't make the wrong decisions short and long term The next step in that direction is to attend Michael's next workshop, which is Saturday, September 17th at 10 o'clock. And, Michael, please tell the audience quickly about those workshops.
2: Well, we ask people what they want to know. And they're free. They're free. Mm -hmm. It's free. It's two hours. You ask whatever questions you want to know and I answer those questions. Sometimes it's about Medicaid. Sometimes it's about estate planning. Sometimes it's about probate. We never know what people are going to ask. Um, And so we just, you know... See what people want to ask. This is one of the questions that we got at the last workshop, mm-hmm. and so that's uh, and that's why I thought I would discuss it. Was mm-hmm. because I think if people want to know or are you know are not sure, mm-hmm. then I think that they should see what the story is and see how they could plan accordingly. I agree. Um, so uh, I, it's free, and actually, if you go to that uh, two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop. Um, You'll also get the opportunity to have a free one-hour vision meeting, where we talk about your own situation. If mm-hmm. you like, you don't have to uh, have that free uh, opportunity to have a one-on-one meeting with me, but you have that you have that opportunity only if you go to the workshop. So it's three free hours of legal education uh, to answer your questions to make sure that your situation is you know, best for you. Uh, and if you, if you, what you have already is best for you, I will tell you that. Uh, so to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, in which I might also add that you get oh, – uh, oh, here he knows there it. He goes. You're going to have the free A M coffee mugs. It's a morning meeting, so who would have it <laughs> without coffee? So you get to have your uh, cup of coffee And go on and keep that gift that keeps on giving. That coffee mug from KWM. who can ask for anything more? I think that some people just go for the coffee mug. Yeah. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) I would
1: have to expedite here and say you should attend the workshop, whether you're going for the coffee mugs, which I doubt or the excellence that Michael is going to present to you regarding estate planning and government assistance. To do that, dial 214 214 to sign up for the next Estate Planning Essentials Workshop. Your offices are where exactly?
2: Well, it's right by Medical City Hospital, which is uh, North Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, kind of close to LBJ and uh, Forest Lane, okay. right between their Uh, off uh, central expressway so
1: sign up by calling or go to dallas elder lawyer.com dallas elder lawyer.com for that estate planning essentials workshop this program like so many others uh, has to be finalized with the phrase the cta is cta cta in radio terms is the call to action and CTA in Michael's terms is challenge the assumptions and this is what he wants you to do so our call to action is for you to challenge the assumptions not assume anything but to look into things like the, the last program about powers of attorney or this program do I have to get divorced in order to be eligible for Medicaid talk to Michael Cohen and the first step in that direction is to attend his next workshop Dallas elder law attorney Michael Cohen we thank you sir thank you Don.